Hello everyone and welcome to In Conversation with Lisa Burke. I've been busy gathering information from all sorts of people to do with the housing situation. Some might use the word crisis in Luxembourg. It will be impossible to cover every aspect of this topic in a few podcasts, but I'm going to do my best to have in-depth conversations with a number of people involved in the topic. And each week I will also read out some of your stories, so please do keep sending in your comments or thoughts. It's clearly such a sensitive subject for many of you. Some of you have already done that and showed quite a few thoughts and comments already. Firstly, and poignantly, I've been contacted by some young Luxembourg people who don't have a parent with land here upon which they can build or a spare house for them to move into before their grandparents or parents actually die. And therefore, many young Luxembourg nationals are forced to live away from Luxembourg or across the border. And as we know, there are other repercussions with house prices then across the border. Infrastructure issues when it comes to road building, train routes, such like transport, commuting, etc., Nazar Zuberi started a comment chain on the Facebook group Luxembourg Expats that was so popular and led to so many comments. He's been put in the Hall of Fame. At the last count, there were 104 comments and I will attach that to the article adjoining this podcast. Now, from civil engineer, he wrote to me and said prices get higher every year because the demand is high, construction gets more and more expensive. A lot of investors invest in construction projects. He also said there's no workforce anymore. It's very difficult to find companies to build and they have difficulty finding personnel. Getting construction permits becomes increasingly complicated and slows down the process of construction. Construction standards, energy class and construction are very high, perhaps too high, he says, which makes it more expensive to build. And, he says, old buildings are destroyed with the excuse to create more living space and we are slowly losing our heritage. And that leads me directly to today's guests, who are Peter Kleinenberg and Karin Varingo. Peter is the founder of a Facebook group which is called Luxembourg Under Destruction. Peter came to Luxembourg about 10 years ago and fairly quickly noticed beautiful buildings were being destroyed. He's from the Netherlands, close to Rotterdam, and works here as a lawyer in a bank. Karin Varingo is a social scientist who changed jobs a few years ago to become a craftswoman. She's engaged in the fight for preservation for Luxembourg's architectural heritage and has been engaged in this since the 1980s before going to university. Karin lived abroad for 32 years and on her return to Luxembourg was shocked by the changes to all of the wonderful old buildings around us. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Peter, I want to start with you. Why did you create this Facebook group, Luxembourg Under Destruction? Well, because um, I found it really a a day-to-day very big frustration to see all around me beautiful buildings demolished constantly, really everywhere around the city, also in the villages, something that I have never seen in any other country at this uh, speed and quantity. And so I decided in 2014 to to make photos, to take photos and to um, create a database of, uh, of everything that I saw being demolished. And then at the end of 2019, I created the Facebook group Luxembourg Under Destruction. 
And Catherine, you are one of the the first members to join and a very vocal member. You really are behind this movement as well as a Luxembourg national yourself. So why have you joined this group and what do you think about the situation? Well, as you said in the introduction, I've been active already in the uh, late 1980s, uh, just before going to university. At that time, the fight was about uh, ongoing demolitions in the center of Luxembourg City. So the Boulevard Royal had already been transformed almost to what we see uh, today. But there were still some buildings uh, left, uh, most prominently uh, the corner around the Pol Nord, uh, where one building at the corner was demolished at that time. But uh, then also uh, the process of demolitions uh, started it uh, well it was just going out of the center of uh, of the Luxem- of of the city so the second uh, i don't know how you would say it second around uh, boulevard uh, grand duchess uh, charlotte and so on uh, when i came back uh, i found that uh, this demolition process uh, had been going on at a, a very uh, great space at the beginning i was just surprised uh, i remember working in a village and i saw that an old farmhouse was demolished and uh, i asked uh, the the people where I worked, I asked her, what is happening there? Well, they said, well, this house is in a very bad, bad shape and so on. It was like it's uh, completely normal. To me, it was not normal. And uh, so I tried uh, to contact people again with whom I had been active and they said, uh, well, uh, that it has no point uh, to become engaged again. And I was uh, very uh, delighted when I discovered uh, Peter's group. And uh, there was at that a moment already some discussions what can we do because it's not just about uh, pointing out what is happening but uh, it's really like the frustration P- Peter is talking about so you want to act and uh, that's the moment uh, where I joined. And thinking about that line as you just said Karin what can we do what can we do? It seems that it comes from a couple of places. One is that one has to appreciate the landscape around them and one has to grow up with that innate sense of worth of a building and its beauty. Do you feel that's being eroded? Yeah, maybe as well. I think that a lot of people here don't have the appreciation for old buildings that are made of beautiful materials and with uh, natural stone decorations and architecture of another time. Simply the, the character and charm of, of old buildings. Maybe not everybody appreciates that to the same extent, but one of the purposes of the group is to create awareness and also to fight some of the false arguments that we constantly hear in Luxembourg, such as what you mentioned yourself. One often hears that we need more housing, so it is uh, inevitable to destroy old houses and to replace by uh, bigger uh, apartment apartment blocks. (laughs) But the whole city and even villages completely lose their character. And on top of that, we constantly live in the middle of a construction site, which I really don't find the best quality of life. (laughs) Um, And a very big problem, in my opinion, and why I call that a false argument, is that so many buildings and houses are demolished. It takes years for there to be a new building for people to live in. And if right now you count around Luxembourg City, it is just incredible how many streets, not individual houses, but entire streets have been demolished and nothing is there yet, obviously, to, to live in. So... I understand that the new buildings will be bigger and provide more housing units than what has been demolished. But by the time they're not even finished yet, something else will have been demolished. 
and something else will be empty already for demolition. Can you explain to our listeners then when it comes to rebuilding and demolishing these old houses I can think of some that I've witnessed being demolished uh, not far from here actually and in their place at some point in time in the relatively near future there will be a block of box flats as is often the case Um, when it comes to the process of deciding this what steps does a construction company have to go through in order to be allowed to demolish these buildings and then What kind of rings do they have to run through to say, right, this is what we're going to build in their place, which seems to me, (laughs) if I'm allowed to offer a personal opinion, they're all rather box-like, they're all rather similar and rather charmless. Well, I think uh, some decisions uh, have been taken already long before, which is uh, with the so-called PRG, so which are the urban uh, development plans and uh, these plans, they affect uh, different zones to different uh, functions. And uh, if there are some new areas being rebuilt so because we have to differ, differentiate whether this is a place where there were already buildings or a place uh, which uh, has even uh, just become a place where you can build so in uh, within the perimeter as we say uh, the procedures might be a bit uh, different if it's uh, outside the perimeter and this zone has just uh, so taken in then uh, the promoter has to develop a plan uh, for how what is he's going uh, to do and he's going to negotiate about this uh, with the municipality and at the end of this process it's the mayor uh, who is deciding uh, if there were already some buildings at the moment what I feel is very detrimental to old buildings is that um, we say yes we have to create more buildings and uh, so uh, more housing uh, and one of the solutions is uh, to densify and uh, this is uh, the most easy to do uh, in the city centers uh, so it's uh, completely it's it's in a kind of uh, way uh, there's kind of perversion about this uh, because it's much easier to demolish an old house and to build an apartment building in this place than uh, just to go uh, at the outskirts and build an apartment uh, building in uh, this place. But um, what we notice is now that... uh, these uh, urban developers, they are in the process, uh, well, you know that the uh, land is quite scarce, so a lot of uh, land where you could build is in fact uh, detained by a few people or families in the land, so there's little, uh, there's, uh, little uh, available land, and these promoters, uh, they are just buying up land, they are buying one house, two houses, and so on, so they are just waiting before they can build an entire block, and then they come with their project, and uh, they are requesting a, a new building permit. And again, so it's the mayor uh, who is in fact deciding. So then we can uh, talk about the particular uh, cases of buildings being protected. So this also goes over this, uh, this this can go over the urban urban de- uh, development plan that the municipality decides, well, uh, let's say this farmhouse is really typical for here and uh, we protect it. And then it will be much uh, more difficult to demolish it. Or there can be a decision on state level that they say, well, this is like a national uh, heritage and it cannot be demolished and the situation is a bit different. Mm-hmm. Peter, you want to add to that? Um, yeah, when it comes to the demolition phase and the steps to take for a promoter, as I understood from the various answers that I received from uh, the mayor of Luxembourg, it's always um, the same answer. This building uh, is not protected and very few buildings are Compared to other countries, very few buildings are protected in Luxembourg. And the answer is it's not protected and therefore we will not refuse the demolition permit. 
So, well, that that raises a completely other question then for the architectural heritage in Luxembourg. And when we see so many old and valuable buildings being demolished, isn't there a responsibility for the state to protect these buildings and to enforce some sort of law or arrangement so that beautiful old buildings are protected? Well, there is some obligation for the state because uh, the Luxembourgish state is party uh, to a number of international agreements which uh, oblige the state, uh, in fact, to protect uh, old buildings. But uh, what I should say is, uh, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, what I should say from my experience, and I've been working in the field of human rights, is uh, that it's uh, rather about uh, soft law. So there are uh, like a declaration of intent, but uh, what is happening behind is a, is a completely different uh, thing. So uh, what we see at the moment, uh, so it's a crucial moment because uh, finally, I think after 20 years of debate, uh, we will have a new uh, novel of the law for the protection of uh, cultural heritage. Uh, so not only architecture, but also uh, like uh, Uh, um, artwork and so on uh, but uh, this concerns only uh, a small part of the buildings uh, which uh, are considered as being uh, national uh, heritage and uh, the rest is uh, left to the municipalities and I believe this has a lot to do uh, with the special fitting in Luxembourg uh, and with the autonomy of the municipalities so uh, municipalities are quite uh, jealously uh, guarding this and they say so it's upon us to decide and on the other hand And what I feel is also that the state uh, disengages from uh, from this. So the state does not want uh, to protect. And if we talk about uh, bigger buildings, well, it means, uh, okay, so who is the owner? Does the state want to buy it? And uh, if the state buys it, uh, what does the state want to do with the building? Mm-hmm. This uh, question uh, frequently, I mean... Uh, Uh, we are at the moment, we are fighting for the preservation of the train station in Ettelbrück, which is going to be demolished. It's a building from 1862, which has a lot of uh, history, also history of transformation. But um, simply there the state or the Fond du Rai, which is owned by the state, is the one demolishing the building, So, which raises a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Peter, again, you want to... Yeah, about uh, better protection. Um, we regularly file a protection request Um And then the answer is often that, uh, yeah, this is indeed a valuable uh, building, but unfortunately the municipality has already provided a demolition permit, so it is basically too late. And that is always uh, how it goes, mm-hmm. so it's always too late. And when you have these letters back, when the municipality allows a construction company to demolish a set of houses, let's say, do they get money for that? Who, the municipality? The municipality. Is the municipality paid by the construction company to be allowed to demolish? I hope not. That would be corruption, I suppose. I do not think, uh, well, at least officially, they will not be paid for this. But uh, what I heard is that the procedure uh, to get uh, these permits is quite uh, uh, complicated. And uh, I, w- I was re- listen- recently uh, listening listening uh, to a professor from university, and he said that the end of this complicated procedure is uh, that the decisions are taken in a, in a kind of a shadow regime. So it's a lot of uh, informal uh, decision making. And uh, what I noticed, because... 
uh, I'm quite often uh, contacting municipalities that I'm talking uh, with the uh, technician who is in charge of uh, these cases. And uh, they, what they are telling me uh, is that they are kind of uh, overwhelmed by the power of these promoters. I mean, just imagine uh, in these municipalities, there might be very small municipalities. So there is uh, one technician who's dealing with a lot of different things. And then comes a big company uh, who have already their lawyers and everyone with them. And uh, what I'm told is that they are fighting just for every square centimeter. And uh, and then also what we should not forget is uh, that uh, number of owners, they just go before court. And if they go before court, uh, it's very likely that they will get the right to demolish the building. I think a prominent example is the Villa Marx uh, in uh, Merle, uh, so which is a house from the 1930s, which just is at the corner of a street and which is really remarkable, uh, if alone by its position, but also by the architecture. And uh, this house, that just the owner, he obtained the right to demolish this house before court. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this creates also kind of uh, fear by municipalities uh, to tell a uh, developer, no, you cannot demolish this building. And I think the same on the level of the state. They are just afraid uh, that they will have uh, court uh, procedures, which they will uh, ultimately uh, lose. And when it comes to the architectural plans that uh, are put in place upon these demolished buildings, who is it that signs off on those structures? Again, the municipality? That I don't know, to be honest. I, I just understood from one of the replies that the new building has to respect, for example, uh, a certain maximum height or a certain number of floors and so many meters from the from the pavement and that sort of restrictions for a certain street or a certain area. But other than that, I don't know if there are really rules about what it should look like. I only ask because so many of these buildings look the same. Yeah. And I feel it's it's such a tragedy for Luxembourg where they could employ the best architects in the world, best construction companies in the world, and they're ending up with a very monotone landscape. Well, uh, as far as I understand, this is a process which started something like uh, 20 or 30 years ago, so that uh, we have this uh, uh, urban development plans, this uh, PRG, and I think that they are now uh, being updated. Some municipalities did, other, others uh, are later with uh, doing it. And uh, these plans, uh, they are just uh, fixing like a minimum standards. And uh, so I'm just saying typically for uh, old buildings, at least uh, unless they are really exceptional, they will just say, uh, well, we preserve the gabari. So the gabari is the outer shape of the building. But if we are talking about heritage conservation, we talk about the building, about its history, uh, well, which can be a lot of things, which can be the social history, the import, the meaning for municipality, the link with industrial history, uh, typical architectural style. All of this, you do not keep it with just uh, keeping uh, the gabari. The gabari is, uh, for me, a compromise on a very low level because they say, well, we want to preserve the... The, the shape of uh, villages but uh, honestly uh, if I have a farmhouse and then I preserve just the outer shape and uh, we have to think not about ourselves but the future generations kids going through these streets how can they know that this was a farmhouse do they even know what a farmhouse is and why we need uh, farms you know? so um, yeah it's uh, the decisions are taking at that time and uh, I feel 
that uh, there is, uh, and I think this is also discussion on our group because I mean we are few activists, but there are a lot of people participating in the discussion. There's very little awareness about the value of this building. So it's like uh, typical. Uh, Luxembourg has known over the last uh, 30 years or so very quick economic uh, development. A lot of people are concerned about real estate in in several perspectives. Either they have something and then uh, they are told, well, your house is worth 1.4 million and then they are really happy about it or they have kids and the kids cannot find uh, housing anymore or they they think about kids coming back from university and so everyone is just keeping uh, what he or she has uh, in the expectation for something to happen and they cannot uh, of course your house the value for which you can sell the house will be higher if the house can be demolished unfortunately so you do not want to have any uh, any restrictions and the problem is that uh, the mayors they want to be re-elected so imagine the mayor told you no sorry you cannot demolish your building will you again vote for him mm -hmm. so it becomes quite political of course to go back to your point on gabarit is that the same as facades keeping the facade of a house which i've seen a lot of around here but like you say we lose the heritage inside which may be invisible to most passers-by like the the tiles or the stairs or the structure of the insides but a number of houses are beginning to keep facades i've noticed yeah no that's what i wanted to say indeed that uh, gabarit is not even the facade it's the shape it is a complete demolition and then building something that at least has more or less the shape of what was there before so it doesn't look in any way like an old building that has been preserved then there is indeed also the facadism as we call it uh, it's ruining everything behind uh, and just keeping the facade and once the new construction behind is ready you would never see inside uh, any detail of of the old building so what i always suppose has been there are uh, parquet floors and chimneys and high ceilings with decorations and all that's gone there's just a facade to see from the street side. Mm -hmm. Well, we had a quite famous example uh, some days ago on the Facebook group. So there's a house uh, next to Mersch, uh, which goes back to the 17th uh, century uh, and which had a, so it's, uh, it was a farmhouse of uh, rich people and it has a lot of, it had a lot of uh, decorative uh, elements. So the first thing what happened is that uh, the owners uh, left it uh, to rot and uh, now the transformation chain uh, the, the transformation started uh, the owner intends to create uh, apartments and uh, everything which is inside this building is uh, is just disappearing and this is this is the rule uh, at the moment, uh, we are told that we can be happy if the facade is being preserved. But again, we are talking about history and the history uh, is also about all the interior. And this is the interior also. Um, th these are things which cannot be replaced anymore. These, these new buildings, you can just uh, replicate uh, 10 times, 20 times the same thing. But these houses, it's lost forever. And uh, so I'm also speaking as a craftsperson. There was a lot of uh, craftsmanship involved in this building. 
this is lost at the same time. And for the Gabari, what I find uh, very interesting is, so indeed, it's it's really only the shape, but the shape inc includes, for example, uh, the roof, the shape uh, shape of the roof. And there are different uh, types of shape of uh, roofs uh, through history. But now you see then they keep the same sh uh, shape of the roof, but they built it completely in concrete. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, roofs were never built. They have been made of wood and now they are being made of concrete. And uh, in the houses also, the floors, everything is gone, which is normal because uh, then if you transform these houses into apartment buildings, you have also some, how you say, uh, you have some rules concerning uh, the possibility for fire and, and so on. So you have to protect the building and then you will put uh, concrete floors uh, and so the building is is in fact uh, yeah it's lost it's not it's not anymore the same and what i also would criticize is uh, that uh, if we do renovation work see in luxembourg uh, we make in fact of an old building we make a new building also the facade is made with new materials is being made in a way how we make facades today but uh, historically there were different uh, types of uh, doing these works and there were different materials also with with which uh, people have been working mm -hmm. this is lost as well I suppose it's no surprise at all that uh, Capitani was filmed in Borglinster, which has retained a wonderful yeah. character in the main part. It's got some beautiful craftsmanship there on the, the front doors, for instance, and uh, some of the homes there really are, are beautiful. And, and you're, it fills your heart with joy driving through there in the cobblestones. I found that indeed very interesting. I noticed it immediately when I saw that uh, series and I thought... Everywhere in Luxembourg, they are destroying those old farms with the big arched uh, doors. And then they film it, obviously, in a place where everything is still authentic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is so not the reality. It's a shame. It's and a it means shame. that people do appreciate it. Uh, someone took the decision that it has to look like that for the, for the series. It's beautiful. But in reality, it's being demolished everywhere. Yes, and it, it's so, so sad. Now, thinking about something that comes up a lot when it comes to looking at homes, it's the energy certificates for these homes. How energy efficient is the new home? And as the civil engineer wrote to me, he's saying that new construction, they have to try to get very high energy certification. And in fact, this civil engineer who wrote to me, I know for a fact that he tries to redo old houses to a higher standard, but retaining all of the characters of the older houses. But he wanted to remain anonymous because he said that his work might be affected if he was to reveal his name, even though he said that some of the rules are very, very difficult indeed. And you also made the point to me, Karen, that uh, when it comes to ecology and thinking about energy efficiency, it's not always more energy efficient if you think of the entire system of demolishing and then rebuilding. So talk us through that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first uh, thing what I should say is that the new energy norms, uh, they are not valid for old buildings. But uh, what I was told, uh, this needs to be uh, checked, uh, is that, for example, if you have a barn and you would like to transform it into apartments, uh, then you will fall under the new norms. And then, indeed, uh, even uh, if working with uh, old materials or ecological materials, it's very difficult to get the, the, the degree, 
that's not the right term, but uh, on uh, insulation, which you need uh, to get. Uh, the demolitions of these buildings, uh, they are just a waste. Uh, what we should talk about is, uh, and uh, I'm quite happy that uh, in our Facebook group, but not only in our Facebook group, there's now a discussion about grey energy. The grey energy is the energy which is needed uh, first to build a house, to bring the material to the construction site, uh, and then uh, the, the energy uh, uh, which will later, later be uh, needed uh, if you demolish the house again. So the house is already existing and uh, it's perfectly possible to insulate this house. Uh, you can get, uh, I would uh, really uh, make a bet on this, you can get a better quality um, also in terms of insulation, better quality of life in these old houses than in these new buildings. And what I'm very concerned about is a lot of people confirmed it to me. The houses which are built now, they are built uh, to have a lifespan of 30 to 40 years. And uh, in Luxembourg, there's now a lot of uh, talk about uh, circular economy. So, okay, then we can recycle the building. But all of this, again, involves a lot of uh, energy. The materials need to come uh, some uh, somewhere. And at the moment, there's a lot of talks about the shortage of uh, construction materials. In a way, I find it's uh, it's quite funny because I think never in history we used uh, to, uh, to handle construction material like this. For example, if we talk now about circular economy or... Uh, reuse uh, before well people reused materials because why because material was not so, so easy uh, easily available even at that time it was very expensive so they used first what they could find on the spot and they also reused for example if a house was demolished somewhere then I mean even people went to steal from uh, old castles and so on which were just ruins while well, people they just used this to build uh, their house and uh, all of this uh, now uh, we just uh, this. It's, it has also a lot to, uh, to do with uh, with the planning procedure. It has a lot to do with craftsmanship, because we replaced uh, qualified people uh, by people which uh, can do any kind of uh, job. But in fact, they are just uh, putting things in place, and this means working with standardized material. So you cannot have one block which is different from another because uh, how can it fit in in the whole ensemble? Uh, if you handle this. Uh, particular blocks, uh, particular material which, which has its specificities and also its charm, which makes one house being different from another, but which means also Luxembourg, I think, typically uh, is that Almost every village has its style, but certainly every region. You see uh, the stones, for example, around the windows. They will have a completely different color because in some places, while well, the stones will be yellow, in other st places they will be red. Then you have this uh, schist or ardoise in the north of the country, which is completely different. Today, we have the same buildings all over. Mm -hmm. And they have nothing to do with uh, anything, even craftsmanship uh, locally available. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, I'm not an ecology expert at all, but to me it's also a matter of uh, common sense. When you have an old house um, completely made of natural stone with doors, with windows, with a roof, with roof tiles, with tiles and wallpaper and everything, and you just demolish everything and everything goes to the trash and then you have to start over and let the thousands of liters of uh, concrete... Uh, 
pour in again it does, just doesn't make sense on an ecological uh, scale mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't keep the heritage and it's very worrying Karen when you said that houses are built to last 30 to 40 years that's hardly moving between generations well this means that you just have uh, reimbursed your mortgage and uh, then the house but uh, actually uh, I'm also in other Facebook groups among other expatriate uh, groups on uh, housing and so on and the people complain they move in and they have they find already some problems uh, in their houses. Yeah. I think I think uh, the whole conception changed. So I'm uh, lucky I'm living in the house which was built by my great-grandfather. And I think if at that time you told him uh, that uh, his house will just uh, last for 30 years or so, he, this man would have gone mad. Mm-hmm. And instead of this, what happened? So uh, now it's the fourth generation which is living uh, in, in this house. And the house has a living history. The house has a history. That's also why I'm living there. Because uh, and it's also for me, in a kind of way, uh, my great grandfather. Uh, he was a carpenter, and some of the works in the house have been done by him. So I'm proud of this. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives you a great uh, link to your own past, yeah. which it must be a wonderful, wonderful feeling. So thinking about the activism that you've created, then Peter, what successes have you had? Well, that's difficult to say because uh, so far I think that at least we have created a lot of awareness and a lot of attention in press and television and radio. Um, So I do think that some things are moving a little bit, but concretely, I don't think that we can say that uh, we have saved one single building because it's all there's always an excuse. Either the city has already uh, validated the demolition or uh, the Ministry of Culture uh, has some problem or it's too late. Uh, there's always something. That's also, as you might know, why we proposed in the petition to protect all buildings automatically before a certain date to completely inverse the system, to say everything old is protected and then let the owner, if he wants to demolish, um, obtain the the protection is uh, lifted. Well, let's just go back to talk about the petition so that everybody can understand what that's about. Well, since we have this experience that it's always too late, we always run uh, behind the facts. It's like being firefighters when things are already burned down. So we said... The only thing that would be effective is if houses older than a certain date are automatically protected in some way until this protection is lifted if if the authorities don't see why it uh, should be kept. That way we would no- never be too late. That's reminding me of our bodies and becoming an automatic organ donor yeah. almost. <laughs> <laughs> For the for the protection of the houses, yeah. their their own you know bodies and protecting them, yes. Um, so then, what do you think are the limits of activism? Well, it's really a difficult uh, question for us last year, and this is how uh, we met. It was uh, there was this idea about the petition, and uh, I think uh, what we asked is nothing, uh, which is uh, so exceptional at the moment in Luxembourg. You have to protect every building uh, individually, and then comes the, dis- the decision, uh, the discussion: why protect this building and not another one? And the owner will say, "Hey, but look at my neighbor's building; it's absolutely the same. Was built at the same time, so it's unfair." Uh, and and uh, that's, uh, yeah, so that's the state of mind of people that at the moment they have a right to be able uh, to sell their house, to, to, to demolish their house and so on. Um, 
with the petition, uh, so yeah, uh, we asked something which is uh, also happening abroad, because if you look at the protection schemes abroad, you will notice that a lot of houses are in fact automatically protected. Uh, take for instance France, where I lived before, all the buildings which are around uh, buildings which are uh, protected as a national mo monument, all the buildings in a perimeter of uh, 500 meters, they are automatically protected, which does not mean that you cannot make changes, but if for example you do some works uh, on the facade of the building you will have to request a permission and there will be a commission of architects who will look in in this and they will say okay that's fine or they will say no because they want to uh, preserve the shape of the, the surroundings as well and this is in line i mentioned it before there are international uh, conventions and um, the the most important convention still is the uh, venice Carta from 1964 which says that uh, a building should be kept in its surrounding and the su surroundings also they should be uh, protected because uh, this is the history it's just not just about having an individual building what we have increasingly here in Luxembourg is that we find old buildings surrounded by new buildings and then people say a bit uh, jokingly well this old building really does not uh, does not fit here but um, yeah so we had this idea for the petition we managed to get uh, more than 4,500 uh, signatures uh, for the petition to go before Parliament. We, uh, we had actually 5,280, I think, which was amazing because we did, uh, we did it uh, during the lockdown. And uh, we presented our demands uh, in the Parliament. Again, this uh, to say building should be uh, protected if it has been built before a certain date is something which exists in other countries uh, such as in uh, Italy, I think in Great Britain also uh, but uh, while in Parliament they told us that it was a great job we did and uh, that was it. Um, at the moment everything is concentrating on this law uh, which I feel uh, will not help much first the process is much too long and, uh, and it will only concern uh, buildings which are con considered as remarkable on a national level. I think what is quite frustrating is not only this feeling that we are always uh, always running behind, what we also asked it is that people should be informed well in advance uh, if there, there are urban development pro uh, projects which affect the whole area and if these uh, projects involve demolition of old buildings. Because now we get to know about it un unless there are some people who have inside information, which happens because uh, some people try to buy something and then they were told, no, you cannot buy it because it will be demolished anyway. So some people are leaking this information to us, but generally we know much to late about it and uh, what at the moment what I find quite, quite frustrating is uh, that there are no negotiations so I mean we can just be there we can uh, we can uh, have our demands like also for the train station in Ettelbrück which does not only concern to preserve the train station in Ettelbrück we want the state to take a different stance uh, when it comes to old buildings. At the moment, they are just planning like there is nothing. No, sorry, there is an old building. And if you have new plans, well, either you will transform this building, you will uh, add something or, or so, but you cannot plan like this. But there is really no interaction, uh, not for us and not for other groups in, uh, in this field. Mm -hmm. An additional problem, in my view, is that so many housing is empty. In this culture where basically everything can be demolished, 
owners often that just leave their properties empty, literally rotting away because they already have in mind to one day, maybe in five years or in 10 years, demolish it. That is not helping the housing shortage, obviously. If those buildings would be protected, then as an investor, you would maintain it, you would rent it out so that you have an income from it. But in Luxembourg, you just leave it empty. Mm-hmm. I've walked past quite a few of those Indeed, houses. if you pay attention, then there is a certain percentage of housing just empty. Mm-hmm. And it is so sad because they're often in beautiful locations. And yeah. given the fact that the the centre of our city is a UNESCO heritage site, you'd think that would put some pressure on governmental deputate to also consider preserving the outsides of this UNESCO heritage site. Well, obviously it does not. And uh, what I'm amazed, as I said, uh, I was already active in the 1980s. In the 1980s, I was a teenager. And uh, in Luxembourg uh, City uh, in particular, there were a number of time uh, people coming, uh, tourists, and uh, they were asking for some particular location. And they said how lovely uh, Luxembourg is and how lovely the villages are. But uh, I mean, of all of this, and this was the shock to me, really. I mean, I remember Luxembourg of my childhood and of my youth, but all of this has gone. I just see whole uh, villages like uh, Gosseldange next uh, to Merche. When we went through this village, there was e- there were even cows in the street, and then you had to wait with your car and so on. And now, I mean, there's just a gabari being there, but there are only apartment uh, buildings. And uh, someone noticed uh, recently the minister uh, in charge of tourism, he made an uh, announcement about uh, the development of tourism in Luxembourg, he spoke about anything, but he did not uh, speak about architectural heritage. So it seems like they have completely lost out of sight that uh, the architectural heritage can also be a plus for tourism. And I mean, look at ourselves. Where do we go on holidays? We go on holidays to Greece, we go to France and so on, because we want to see the old buildings. And in our own country, we're just demolishing everything. I go hiking uh, often in the weekend different villages and it is practically uh, always that right next to the church there is some brand new uh, white grey cube being built then you look on google maps and you see what was there before and also those new residences could have been built uh, like 100 meters down the road where there is space i think it all comes down to each individual owner doing as uh, pleases him because there's no coordination i think that in other countries often uh, the municipality decides this we preserve and over there we create a new neighborhood which will be in this or that style there is coordination here it is just uh, in the, in the very center of the of the village uh, old farms being replaced by uh, white or grey uh, residences and it's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's a very good point. I can think of two clear examples when I think of the Cambridge Science Park and that whole new section that's being built outside in Trumpeton area. You're right, they're built outside to protect the beauty of this central part of the city and the same actually for Oxford or, or, or many other cities I can think of. And when you talk about going to places to see the beauty of the place and to walk through the beauty, it's It's because we absorb a lot. We get pleasure from seeing beautiful things. It's just part of humanity. That's what nature is. Nature can be very, very beautiful. And it is a lovely thing to give back. Now, some people might think that these new boxes that we see everywhere are Bauhaus, but they're not really Bauhaus either. Not at all, in fact. (laughs) 
Well, uh, perhaps what I should say about this, uh, so the buildings uh, and the surroundings, what I'm noticing, so I'm a Luxembourgish person, I was born here, and uh, I mean, if I look uh, back again to my childhood and youth, you were used to that things were always remaining the same. At the moment, they are changing at a very quick uh, pace, and a lot of places, I mean, you show me the picture and you ask me, where is this? And I say, no, I do not know. But what was for me uh, very interesting was to notice so uh, Peter's group, uh, I think at least a, a third of the people are expats. Mm -hmm. and uh, but they are also fond about uh, of this uh, heritage and I think also for people moving to Luxembourg uh, it's it's necessary for them to feel well in a place is that you recognize a place that it's different from another place and this is about old buildings it's not about these uh, sterile blo blocks which are all over and uh, I'm wondering maybe it's a completely stupid idea but uh, psychologically for well-being we need to feel like uh, like being, being taken care of, we need to know that if we just go around the corner, there will be this uh, house which has particular shape and so on. There will be. An, but no, here in Luxembourg, it's not true anymore. If we go around the corner, there will be a construction site. Mm -hmm. Yeah, quality of life. I find that also a very interesting uh, point. If I take, for example, my own street, I just counted that uh, within five minutes walking, I can count at least 14 houses that have been demolished over the past three years or so. Nothing uh, is ready yet to live in. So it doesn't help the housing problem because it's just 14 houses less. All those people have moved elsewhere. Um, then it is very typical old houses being replaced by something very mediocre so in my view it's not an improvement and it means living in the middle of a construction site for three years so there's a lot of downsides mm -hmm. well can we leave our listeners with any point of hope at all if the answer's no, the answer's no <laughs> i always try to leave with something to think about but not necessarily negative I suppose one point might be for them to look at your Facebook group and exactly. see what's on it and yeah, see how this was what I what, what I was going to see to, to say I mean uh, I'm quite pessimistic but if I'm uh, keep on fighting is uh, still because I hope that we can change the situation and the, really the first thing is to create awareness uh, we asked also with our petition uh, that awareness raising uh, could be uh, could start in schools I did uh, in the course of my training I did some which is called archaeology uh, of uh, the building uh, and uh, I mean I would love to do such a thing with kids because then uh, you look at the building I think I told you on the phone for me a building uh, I can uh, read it like a book you know because I'm looking for the old elements if they are still visible because uh, as I said in Luxembourg also we renovate and we just we uh, we deal, we uh, remove all the old stones and so on but also if there was a door before which was just uh, being closed but you can still leave the ark and then someone can think oh why was there a door there maybe this building was something different but you could uh, you could do so, uh, so many things and I would still hope uh, if more people are getting active also people I mean what I find personally uh, very sad you spoke about this uh, engineer I'm meeting a lot of professionals who do not agree with what is happening and who are not happy at all uh, also because they have the knowledge and they talk the same talk we have here about the quality of the buildings um, also about the loss uh, of uh, so it's more than uh, just heritage heritage is for me something like abstract but it's more that we are losing there but 
all these people here, they say, uh, well, I cannot speak out about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just asking why. If more people would have the courage just to say what they, uh, what they think, what they know and so on. I mean, I would uh, really love to see here in Luxembourg a renovation project like I saw abroad of a farm being transformed in apartments, but uh, with preserving most of the substance of this building. Mm-hmm. to have uh, several families living there because at the moment also a lot of people say uh, well no one wants to buy these uh, farms it is not true oh they do it <laughs> is they not certainly true. do same for warehouses a lot of warehouses uh, in london are, are redone into beautiful apartments same in new york Yeah, I mean, uh, we did not speak much about all of these Luxembourgish people uh, leaving uh, the country. They are not just leaving because they cannot afford, but they can. They are leaving because they do not uh, accept uh, uh, the, the the offer you have here. So uh, here you have just the alternative to buy an apartment in a new residence, and uh, they live also. Uh, they dream about a different uh, life. They dream about living in a different house, and this house they just cannot afford it anymore. In, in Luxembourg. So again, for me, uh, being optimistic is, I mean, I'm happy we have now 2,500 members. We are not alone. Uh, and I'm especially hoping uh, with uh, expats, there are a lot of people uh, with very different skills also in communication that they get involved. And I think maybe uh, we can still manage to change in a few years to change the situation. The last word to you, Peter. Yeah, I might uh, add two things space people sometimes think there is no space but there is a lot of space when you take a good look there is a lot of space where it could be built and that's why it is even more frustrating that they tear down the beautiful old villa next door but not build across the street where there is an empty terrain i very well understand that this probably has to do with uh, different owners one willing to sell one not willing to sell but still as as a city Isn't there any way to coordinate this a bit better? For example, at uh, Place de l'Etoile, where I pass every day, there is now a huge building being torn down to be obviously replaced by another building. But right across the street, there is this endless terrain that has been empty for 30 years. And it just does not make sense to me to destroy one building when you could have built across the street. Oh, I'm sure they will. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly where you're talking about and I know that building that you are talking about as well and uh, I've no doubt that there's a plan in action for those spaces one day. Yeah, one day, hopefully. And if you don't mind, I would like to list uh, where there has been a lot of demolition going on, so um, not helping the housing shortage at all. At Place d'Argent, there is a complete row of houses demolished. In Aich, a complete row, row of houses At uh, Route Desch in Hollerich, it's like a complete block being demolished. Route de Thionville, left and right, several spots, uh, demolitions all over. At the Route d'Arlon, where I used to live myself, three big buildings from the 1930s are empty since 2018. And then uh, Rue Jean Laveugle on Limpetsberg, that is that famous example where beautiful houses have been... Um, damaged uh, deliberately and they are still empty after uh, several years so yeah this is not really helping actually 
And then it's going on uh, uh, along uh, the Route d'Arlon uh, and it's going uh, along uh, to Straßenmama and so on. We organized some protests some months ago because uh, Mama, which was rural, a typical rural village, but uh, all of these farms are just being demolished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I certainly don't think of Mama as a rural village anymore. I think of it as a <laughs> suburb of the city. And it really is, in fact, as are many, many parts around Luxembourg City itself. And yes, uh, when you mentioned those houses that were purposefully uh, damaged in Limpersburg, I know exactly again where you mean, as do many of our listeners, which is just very, very sad indeed. Well, I'm very sorry to leave our listeners uh, with a negative note, but I suppose with every negative thing... It's a call to action. We have to turn it around as a call to action to try to engender that spirit of really respecting the environment around us, knowing that psychologically it really does help us to have a good living environment. Uh, that That is absolutely for sure. And it's been documented in all sorts of different papers, scientific papers, etc. as well. And with the encouragement to join your group to preserve the beautiful buildings of Luxembourg and to continue their formation. So thank Thank you both so much for joining me today and telling us your story about housing in Luxembourg. Thank you.